good evening. I don't know why I keep opening our conversations with whatever time of day I happen to be recording them. <laughs> it's just a thing I do, so let's roll with it. Good evening. Welcome back to Live Life Real. I hope you've had a great time since our last conversation, and you've got a lot of things done. You've been super productive. I know I haven't. <laughs> So be better than me. Hope you've done better than me. <laughs> I am truly glad you're back and you're here to continue our conversations. And today we're going to start a very extended conversation because as I was going through and I was planning our conversations, I realized that there are a lot of topics that we're going to talk about that can kind of be grouped together into categories. So we're going to start an extended conversation on a broad topic and we're going to dig into the topic and what it all entails through the next number of episodes and conversations, whatever number that may be. <laughs> so you're probably wondering, what is the conversation we're going to have? Well, the broad category we're going to be discussing for a while is going to be relationships. Now, hmm, relationships are so broad. It's There's so much. So many ink droplets have been spilled. I've read numerous books on relationships just this year. <laughs> there's, there's no way I am going to cover all the topics in relationships, but I'm going to hit some highlights. I'm going to hit some things that I believe are important for us as we walk through life and try to discern and understand and respond and ask questions, seeking the paths and knocking. Which kind of leads me to a, a precursor announcement. I don't exactly know what words I want here. <laughs> but um, if you haven't listened to our first three episodes, our conversations of evaluating life's happenings for such a time as this and ask, seek, knock, I, I, I highly recommend you go ahead and listen to those first before you jump into this topic of relationships. Because from here on out, Every conversation we're going to have is going to build on the frameworks of Ask, Seek, Knock for such a time as this and evaluating life's happenings. So I, I highly recommend you go understand those and know what those are before continuing. So now that we got that out of the way and we know our broad topic is relationships. The first area of relationships we're going to talk about, get ready for it, is identity. Because here's your uh, upfront notice. I do not believe you can be in relationship with anyone unless you first know who you are. And that's what we're going to be talking about today. Who you are. Your identity. And now the hard transition to this episode of conversational talk of Live Life Real is not sponsored by Taylor Swift and her July surprise album entitled Folklore. <laughs> Why do I bring this up? Because when this came out, the term folklore kind of stuck in my head because I was working on our conversation when that album came out. And I looked up the word folklore. What's that definition? And it means the traditional beliefs, legends, or customs of a people. It's a bodily, bodily, a body of widely held but false or un unsubstantiated beliefs. 
unsubstantiated. Say that three times fast. <laughs> Keep this in mind. Folklore, a body of widely held but false beliefs. It's a traditional beliefs, legends, customs. Keep this definition of folklore in mind because we're going to see it come up time and time again in our conversation. And then we hard transition again to a, another question I have for you. What is your identity? Or better yet, have you ever questioned your identity? Well, what's identity? There's a couple of definitions. Your first definition is the condition or character as to who a person or what a thing is. It's the qualities, beliefs, etc. that distinguish or identify a person or a thing. So when I ask you, have you ever questioned your identity? I'm pretty sure you nodded your head or you groaned or you shouted with a loud resounding yes because you have, I guarantee you have questioned your identity based on the first definition. Because in life, we are constantly pressured to define and state our identity, are we not? We're, we're asked by parents, what do you want to be when you grow up? Well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to rap like NF, maybe. Um, you're asked by friends, what's the type of person you're romantically interested in? Ooh, that's a fun one. What's, your, what's that identity? What's your education? What major do you want to declare? Education asks for your identity. Your career asks for your identity. Where do you want to work? How much do you want to make? Uh, what industry do you desire? Uh, house, car, retirement, if that's possible. Like career asks for your identity. The church asks for your identity. Where do you want to serve? Do you want to teach? Do you want to preach? Do you want to be on social media greeting ministry? Do you need to be in the nursery? What about the parking lot? You're constantly asked to define your identity. However, I'm going to throw a wrench in all of these questions because I do not believe these questions are asking your identity as much as they are asking your purpose. However, we frame them as identity because the Western culture and in America, we, f we have a tendency, a very cultural, deep-rooted tendency to define who we are based on what we do. If you're a preacher, then your identity is a preacher. And yes, things of what you do, some things that you do actually do in a way identify you, but these list of questions of who you wanna be, what's your type, your major, your career, where you wanna serve, I believe these are more purpose-oriented questions, not identity-oriented questions. And that leads us to the second definition of identity. I, second definition of identity is the condition of being oneself and not another. These are our character traits, our personality, our interests, our passions, the things that make us us, not the things that we do, but who we are. Who we are is our identity, not what we do. And when we can't typically face an identity crisis, and don't say you haven't faced an identity crisis, you're in college, possibly, um, or if you were in college, when you were in college, or even just doing career or church or whatever, you've had an identity crisis. It's not for the middle-aged. It's not for the, the seasoned veterans of this life. It's not, it, you've had an identity crisis. I have already had multiple identity crises. I'm sure you have too. <laughs> but, um, when you have an identity crisis, you're typically exploring the area 
of who you are, of being oneself. You're not always exploring the area of purpose, except when you are, except you're calling it identity instead of exploring area of purpose. And that's a completely different conversation of, of your purpose. But we're talking about, about identity. This entire conversation, we're going to be based around definition two, the condition of being oneself and not another. That's the identity that we're going to be exploring. And I believe that's the only only proper definition of identity. And now we've got that out of the way. <laughs> Let's go back to folklore real quick. Just quickly, you'll notice again, the traditional beliefs of a people, a widely held but false belief. Are not all the questions now folklore? Are all these questions of what's the romantic interest type? Just, I mean, calling, it, calling that question your identity, isn't that just now folklore? It's a traditional belief, but it's an unsubstantiated belief. It's not truly your identity. So now that we know what identity is, it's our character traits, personality, interests, passions, etc. We need to determine the origin of our identity, the source of that identity. Where do we get it? Where does it come from? That's an excellent question. Let me help you understand. I like to think of our identity as being our third words. And before I explain that, I must give credit where credit is due. Um, Unqualified from Stephen Furtick. It is an amazing book. It will wreck you. I highly recommend you read it. It is all about identity, and I'm borrowing a little bit of his ideas from his book because they are that good. So there's your reading recommendation for the next two weeks or something like that. <laughs> so I believe our identity is found in our third words. So I'm going to ask you a question. And I want you to answer it. I am blank. What did you just fill in in the blank? Was that word or set of words that you filled in positive or negative? Your identity is found in the third words in the sentence I am blank. Now I am is significant because I am is the name of God. In Exodus 3, 1 through 15, the, the famous passage of when Moses is on the mountain talking to God because there was a burning bush, but the bush was not being consumed by the fire. And so he approaches it and, oh, God's in the bush and he's talking to him. The, this is where Moses receives his commission to go to Pharaoh and to tell him, let my people go. If, we've, if you've grown up in church for any amount of time, if you've been in church any amount of time, excuse me, any amount of time, you've heard this story. And in Exodus chapter 3, verses 13 through 15, we find the following conversation between Moses and God. And I'm going to read it, and I'm reading out of the New King James here. Then Moses said to God, Indeed, when I come to the children of Israel and say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they say to me, What is his name? What shall I say to them? And God said to Moses, I am who I am. Am. And he said, Thus you shall say to the children of Israel, I am has sent me to you. Moreover, God said to Moses, Thus you shall, shall, thus you shall say <laughs> to the children of Israel, 
The Lord God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever, and this is my memorial to all generations. When God said, I am who I am, he declared his name for the first time. And by calling himself, I am, he signifies that he is everything good and everything great and everything praiseworthy and everything glorious and every good third word belongs to God, is, can be ascribed to God, is the identity of God. I am, third words, who I am. And when you jump over to Exodus 20, where we receive the Ten Commandments, we find these following verses in Exodus 20, 1, 2, and 7. And God spoke all these words, saying, I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. Verse 1 and 2 is actually what you would consider the preface to the Ten Commandments. And because of the preface, because I am the Lord your God, you do all these things. You will keep all my commandments. So, because I am the Lord your God, we could read it as, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. Verse 7, you shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. Because God is I am, and therefore Jesus is also I am, because in John 8, 48 through 59, Jesus is talking with the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the religious leaders, and they're asking him, who are you? And in verse 58, Jesus says to them, most assuredly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. Jesus is God. Jesus is I am. And since we are saved by faith through Christ, and we are adopted into the family of God through salvation, brought by the blood of Christ and believing in him as our personal Lord and Savior, we are adopted into that family and we are given God's name. God says when we come to salvation, you are because I am. And now I am giving you your identity. I am giving you every good thing that belongs to me because you are now a part of me. And God fills in our third words. However, <laughs> we're going to hate this. We hate this. It's easy to take God's name in vain. And you're probably thinking to yourself, where are you going with this? And I am going with this here. And I'm borrowing this from unqualified again. And honestly, I'm just going to read it because I believe it expresses it better than I can. Now, taking God's name in vain obviously does mean using it in a manner that is inappropriate in speech. So you, you should not curse. You should not swear using his name. That is definitely an inappropriate way of, of using God's name. That is using God's name in vain. However, there is more to it. And, and this is where I want to read in the book because I believe this is, this is extremely powerful and we need to understand this. He says it is more than you just, more than how you use God's name as a vocabulary word. Stephen Furtick writes, it's how you take his name as a way of life. And that's how the Hebrews would have understood the commandment of you should not take the name your Lord, of the Lord your God in vain. Do I bear his name appropriately and honorably or do I bear it in vain? 
In other words, do I live according to who he is? Does my life reflect his identity? Or do I live, live as if I never knew him, never took his name, and never became part of his family? In reality, this commandment is tied less to how we speak and more to our third words, to our identities, to how we view ourselves. Remember, God's name is I am. So anytime we take his name and fill in the third words with things that are contrary to what God says about us, we are taking his name in vain. When we allow our third words to override his third words, we are treating his name as empty and hollow. I want you to think about that. I want that to sink in because, because it's true. If we're studying for an exam and we cannot grasp the, the concept, the math problem, the English problem, the, the, the trigonometry, the science, the chemistry, the something, if we cannot understand it and in our studying we mutter to ourselves in utter despair, I am stupid. I am worthless. I am crazy. I will never, ever going to understand this. We are misappropriating God's name and his image because we are bearers of Christ's image because when we became part of the family, we were commanded to go therefore into all the world and preach the gospel to every living creature, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. We are images of God. More than just in creation, we are his name bearers because we proclaim him. And when we say we are stupid, we're overriding God's third words for us with our own third word. With who we think we are rather than who God says we are. And we are tainting the image of God because God is not stupid. God is not crazy. God is not insane. God does not understand a problem. Like, he does not not understand a problem. He, he always knows how problems go down. He always sees them. He always understands them. And if we as image bearers and name bearers of God are going around and degrading ourselves and saying, I am nothing. I'm a nobody. I am no significant to anybody. What is that saying about our faith? What is that saying about how we proclaim God? Because if we proclaim we're nobody. But then we try to go out and bring the gospel to the world and say, you are somebody. But that person we're telling, you are somebody, has heard us say, I am nobody. And we're already believers. What kind of message are we sending? What kind of conflicted message are we writing? And this kind of goes into our origin, the origin of that identification, which we've talked about already, just that perspective. The first perspective and origin is I identify myself as. I identify myself as silly. I identify myself as crazy. I identify myself as a nobody from nowhere. Versus the second origin and perspective of, of you are identified by. That origin of the uh, per, of identification determines what third words we use. 
If we're living in a way that says, I identify as, I identify myself as Caleb, I identify myself as how other people identify me, and I adopt that, and I identify myself as, as lame and boring and uh, a worthless person, then I'm you hear me clearly. I'm using third words that are negative. I'm using third words that are detrimental to my testimony. But if I'm using in living under a perspective that I am identified by, I am identified by a higher power, by a greater force, by absolute truth, the absolute truth of God and who we, he says we are then I'm going to use different third words. Then I'm going to look at a math problem and I'm going to say, yeah, I don't understand this right now, but I can understand it and I will do my best to understand it because God will help me because I am smart and I have a brain and I can think. This is borne out through the Bible. In Jeremiah 1.5, if I can find it, here it is. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I sanctified you. I ordained you a prophet to the nations. It's born out in Psalms 139.13-16. For you formed my inward parts. You covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works, and that my soul knows very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret and skillful fully wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. Your eyes saw my substance being yet unformed, and in your book they all were written, the days fashioned for me, when as yet there were none of them. Because God created us, because we are adopted into the family of God as believers, only God has the authority and the right to identify us. Our identity does not come from who we say we are. Our identity does not come from other people and how they define us. Our identity comes from God and God alone. And I'm not going to apologize for getting very intense here and getting very passionate. And I know this kind of breaks a little bit of our normal conversational format, but I am very, very passionate about identity. I'm very passionate about how we identify ourselves and who we say we are. And I hate that we constantly, constantly identify ourselves by what we think or by the things around us. We let temporary situations identify our permanent uh, perspectives and our permanent character. We let temporary worldly passings and people say who we are and fill in our third words. We let ourselves fill in our third words. When our heart is evil and deceptively wicked, when the tongue has the power of both death and life, we fill in our third words so negatively, so negatively, when God has never called us any of that. When God has never said that you are stupid, that you are crazy, that you are ugly, that you are unloved. We have to change our perspective. Our orientation of identity has to come solely from God and God alone. And now that we've identified from where our identity comes from, we can identify concrete third words that truly identify us. We can also identify where our third words do not come from. Our third words do not come from self-perception, from our talents, from our abilities, 
Those are purpose. That's, as we said, the purpose questions earlier. They do not come from our feelings and emotions. They do not come from the lies that we tell ourselves when we're in the middle of a depression. We do not believe and accept the third words that come when we are having a bad day or when our car breaks down or we get in a wreck and it's our fault. Our identities not come from other people's definitions. I don't care if they call you good, bad, a prodigy, worthless. You're, you're not an object. And those are not where you find your identity. I'm going to make a quick note that people who belong to God will affirm your identity. They will speak your identity, but the identity that they speak and affirm will align with what God says. They will not speak an identity that is contrary to how God has identified you. In the flesh, they might. As humans, they might. But those who truly care about you, those who truly love you, those who truly want the best for you will identify you as how God identifies you. And there will be a consistent identity spoken. Your identity does not come from your education, how far you've gotten or how educated you are. Never has, never will. 1 Corinthians 1, 18-31, Paul is writing about how God has made the wisdom of the world foolish and his wisdom, which is seemingly foolish to the world, the wisest thing. You're not to let the education or the knowledge that you learn or the wisdom you learn in school identify who you are. Your career does not identify who you are. Your employment status, whether you're unemployed, employed, graduate assistant, student assistant, temporary worker, whether you're a a programmer, a desk worker, a janitor, your career does not identify you. Lies. Satan's lies specifically do not identify you. As I've said already, you're not ugly. It's not that you're not liked. You're not lonely. You're, it's, it's, you, are, you are appreciated. When you hear that you're ugly, when you hear you're not liked, when you hear you are lonely, when you hear you're not appreciated, when he, you hear you're not accepted, those are all lies and those are not your identity. One of the things, the last thing where your identity does not come from, and this probably trips us up the worst, is your past actions, your shame, and your regret. We have all done things that we are ashamed of. We are all, we have all done things that we regret. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We have all done things that are not pleasing to God, that are not in right, that are wrong. They're sin. We've all sinned. We've all done wrong things and we, we will feel regret for them. We will feel shame for them. But your past is not your past, is not your future. I messed that up. (laughs) Your past is not your future. What previously defined you does not, is not who you are. We are not who we think we are, but we are rather who God says we are. Our mental orientation is not I identify as, but rather I'm identified by. Because our past never dictates our future. It may affect it, but it's not the determinant for it. And because we're identified by God, who cast our sin as far as from the east as from the west when we ask for forgiveness 
and he identifies us and we recognize we're identified by him rather than I'm identified as someone who's committed sin, someone who has done wrong things. We recognize our identity is not from what we've done, from our past, from our history. And yet we struggle with that. We truly struggle with letting go everything that has happened and how that's affected us. This is where we have to ask for forgiveness. This is where we have to ask God for forgiveness. We have to forgive ourselves. And then we also have to ask others forgiveness if possible. And once we do, every time there's a third word that tries to identify you by your past actions and your shame and your regret and your mistakes, you need to replace those words with God's third words. You are forgiven. You are clean. You are loved. You are made whole. And that leads straight into our, where our identity really comes from. And it's who God says we are. God says we're loved. And there's a million verses in the Bible that says we're loved. Deuteronomy 7, 9. John 13, 34 through 35. John 15, 9 through 10. Romans 5, 8. 1 John 3, 1. 1 John 4, 7 through 11. 1 John 4, 17 through 19. And many, many more. You are chosen and you are royalty as defined in 1 Peter 2, 9. You are set apart, Romans 2, 12 and John 17, 15 through 18. You are unique, Psalm 139, 14, Ephesians 2, 10. You are God's friend, Psalms 25, 14, John 15, 12 through 15. And if you need more than just Bible verses to help cement that in your song person, there's a great song from Hillsong Worship, I Am Who You Say I Am, that puts in lyrics and song these characteristics born out in the Bible. If you need another, there's a great song I really like. It's called You from Apollo LTD. Um, or this should just be limited. <laughs> but it says, every story, every scar, you are loved the way you are. There's nothing you need to prove because heaven knows your name. There's a reason you were made fearfully and wonderfully you. Has anyone told you that you would never be enough? Has anyone told you that you never measure up? Are you just trying to escape, trying to run from all the pain of being human? Can you make it through? Yet every story, every scar, you are loved the way you are. Your identity is found in God. Your identity comes solely from God. Everything else is folklore. Everything else is a traditional belief, a widely held belief, but is instead false and unsubstantiated and has no hold on you. And if you're wondering, Caleb, why are you so passionate about identity? Where did this come from for you? Let me tell you. When I was eight years old, I was diagnosed with Tourette's syndrome. Tourette's syndrome is a hereditary neurological disorder that it's simply an overactive mind creating an overactive nervous system that creates tics, T-I-C-S, that I cannot control. It comes out in motor tics, so my hands move a little more, my eyes blink a little more. It comes out in vocal tics. I might uh, stutter, I might make a blowing sound, I might repeat phrases. 
it produces ticks, but then it also produces a, it's a syndrome. So it makes every emotion I ever feel more intense. It basically blows it through a megaphone, kind of like Ty Pennington in Extreme Makeover Home Edition. That is a really old reference. I hope you understand that. If not, Google it. Um, it takes every emotion, blows it through that megaphone, but then changes it in three seconds. Everything is much more intense and everything is much more elevated. And it, it makes life really interesting. <laughs> I'll say that. And eight years old, I was diagnosed with that. I was obviously born with it, but it, it made itself visible at eight years old. And at eight years old, I suddenly felt very different and my identity changed because I didn't want to be the kid who was supposed to be on one to two or three to four medications my entire life for something that can't really be controlled. There's no one medication. There's no one thing to to uh, help suppress it, help uh, regulate it. it. It's different for every every person. I have a medical history, a giant stack of medical history from medicines I've been on, which just did not work or had side effects. I just wanted to be like every other little boy at eight years old. I didn't want to have to go take medicine. I didn't want to have to go to the doctor and do things. I didn't want to have wires plugged up to my brain and stare at some screen that's a video game and it measure my brain waves. I, I didn't want that. I just wanted to be like everyone else. And in growing up, I considered I, Tourette's to be a a bad thing. I considered it to be something that was detrimental to who I was. Because I identified my identity. I defined my identity by what, I, by what I could do. Because my mom played piano. My dad preached. My sister played guitar. My brother animated. I did none of that. I gave up drawing a straight line when I couldn't do it with a ruler. Therefore, I'm not an artist. That's a joke and it's not at the same time. I really can't draw a straight line even with a ruler. I couldn't play piano because of my tics. I couldn't keep my hands on the keys. So I couldn't also play guitar. And I, I've been not get, I don't have a beautiful voice to sing. I, I, I promise you, you don't want me to sing. <laughs> I can't sing. I, I hated literature. I still don't want, like reading classic literature. I did not enjoy writing book reports. I once hid the book for a book report that I had to do in my toy box and I never did the book report. Um, I, I, I defined who I was by what I could do and so I had no talents or, or gifts or abilities from what I could see. I was just a kid with Tourette's taking medication to try to suppress it and that was it. I couldn't even keep writing in cursive. I was learning cursive and I, to this day I love cursive. I can still write in cursive but it's sloppy because I can't hold my pen steady enough to write cleanly. And for years, even as a teenager, I, I felt inadequate. I felt incomplete because I did not know who I was. And then I started writing poetry, and then I discovered uh, website programming, and then I got in the college theater because it was different. And over time, I realized I'm a skilled coder, that I have a gift for written words, that uh, I, when it comes to like the five love languages um, by Gary Chapman, I express all but physical touch, <laughs> and I express them fluently. 
I came that to learn that I have a way with words and can write them and speak them in ways that, I mean, you're listening to this conversation right now. <laughs> but it wasn't until I realized that my identity did not come from Tourette's. That I, it wasn't until I realized that Tourette's did not define me. It wasn't until I started looking at Tourette's as a gift did I find who I was. When I realized that Tourette's was a gift from God to make me different, to make me unique, to make me special, so I may fulfill a purpose he had planned for me before I was born. Because only I could fulfill that purpose. And I had to be a little different so I could fulfill it. When I finally understood that, I finally learned my identity. And I finally knew what it meant to fill in the third words and be identified by God. And that changed so many things. That changed how I see myself. That changed how I interact with people in other relationships. That changed how I have a relationship with God and how he identifies me. Do I struggle? Yes, I still struggle. But I'm doing better because I know who I am. This is why I say, before you can be in relationship with anyone else, you have to know who you are. You have to know how God identifies you. You have to know who God says you are. Because if you do not know that and you continue to define yourself by your third words, by I identify as, then you will never find fulfillment. You will never find satisfaction. You will never be in wholesome, healthy, supportive relationships. Because you'll constantly be looking for identification and validation from someone else instead of God. And that's why everything else is folklore. That's why everything else is a rumor. It's a myth. It's an unsubstantiated belief. Because your identity only, only ever comes from God. I pray you recognize that. I pray you realize that sooner than later. Let's pray. Dear God, I thank you. I thank you for identifying us. I thank you for your word and all the promises in it and all the identifications in it of who we are because we have accepted your son, because we are grafted into your family, because we are adopted into it. And you have given us your name and we are now identified as you say we are and not as, as everything else says we are. Thank you, God, for identifying us. Thank you for loving us, for comforting us, for caring for us, for being more than enough for us. I know that your identity is so important to me. And all I want to do is bear it well and live it well. And I do my best to not fill in the third words that that are wrong. Fill in the third words, those vain words, the take that, that taking your name in vain. I do my best, but I know I struggle. And I know my friend struggles too. We all do. God, I ask that you simply remind us 
that you alone identify us. Give us reminders every single day, every hour, that you alone identify us, that our identity is not found in who we say we are, but rather who we're identified as. Because we are who you say we are. Because your name and who you are is I am. <laughs> I am that I am. God, help us to not override your third words with ours, but to always accept your third words as true, accurate, and right. May we always remember who we are in you and that your identity is greater than anything else. Everything else is folklore. God, we praise you, we worship you, and we thank you for every blessing and every good thing and every good word, third words, that you have given us. May we not abuse them. May we not override them. May we not find our identity in how you have gifted us, but it rather may we find it always in how you created us. And in Jesus' name, I ask all these things. Amen. Identity. It's so important. I hope you walk away from this conversation with a greater understanding of your identity and how God identifies you. And I hope you walk in it. I hope you live it out. Until we meet, then for our next conversation, may God alone always and forever identify you.